The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Thanks for joining us for episode 9 of The Boys of Tech. I'm Edwin Herman, introducing my co-host, Brett King. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you on again, Brett. Yeah, always is. And uh, boy, there's some interesting stories this week we've got to talk about. Um, I, I thought that we'd kick it off with Apple. There's a few uh, things that have been happening in the Apple camp, so I guess it makes sense to talk about those. Indeed. Uh, the first one there is the iPhone operating system version 3 so this is a basically an upgrade for iphone users the reason we're bringing this story to light is because really there's some cool new features there are indeed it's quite jam-packed with yeah. meaty newness absolutely it's, it's not just a little incremental upgrade it's, it's something i think there's some good stuff let's take a look at what they're saying first of all they're introducing their new spotlight technology into the iphone so what that is is basically a universal search for the iphone similar to what the mac operating system has in the top right corner of the finder so it's a universal search i think it's much needed when you've got an iPhone jam-packed with applications now. Applications, messages. music, messages, email, yep. everything on it. Yes, yeah, Spotlight definitely. is a needed technology for this device. If just for email, I think it's needed. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. You, that, so that, that's really good. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> this, is this always generates a few uh, sniggers, uh, especially from those who, who don't particularly like the iPhone. Copy and paste has made it to the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> At long last. Yeah, so um, what <laughs> what they've decided to do is implement a, a cut, copy, paste functionality right across the board uh, so that, you know, we can you know, copy paste text you can copy paste images so for example if you've got images stored on your phone you can copy and paste that into an email you're sending someone Yeah. Um, which I again it, it re- to be honest that should have been there right from go yeah for, for what they were trying well for what they have done with the, the iPhone making it such a internet connected uh, device as well as being a phone lacking copy paste for most of those features has is, is, was a bit of a, a, um, a an oversight. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was, and I think they've realised that. The other thing, of course, is now uh, MMS, so we can send multimedia messages. Indeed, another feature which you would have expected in it being a a phone. A phone. And <laughs> yeah. seeing as even the cheapest cell phones have <laughs> with a camera have the ability to send an MMS. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Unfortunately, the MMS in the in iPhone version three um, OS uh, still is incapable of attaching video to it. Yeah, that's... uh, Even though the camera is still capable of video. Is that a limitation of the phone or the MMS protocol? Do you know, can you... I don't have a smartphone, to be honest. In fact, I don't even have a cell phone. Does... um, Can you send video over MMS, do you know? Yes, yes. It's a feature found in most other MMS-capable phones which have video capability with the the camera. It is something which is still lacking. And it may be with the the implementation of MMS, how it is handled by 
the iPhone, which is that Apple still acts as a middleman for a lot of those systems. It doesn't go out through the, the network itself. It goes oh, through via, the, yeah, via Apple systems. So maybe that's a, a capability that they will work on for version iPhone four? version 4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're certainly ripping through those versions. But I think each time we've seen some good features come through. It's not just a, a little bit of aesthetics here and there. It really is some... Juicy stuff. It is. It is some real meat coming through in these yeah. updates. And of course, the, the big one for this one is the in-application micropayments. So, yes. So let's just explain to our listeners what that is. It's basically a platform to allow iPhone users to make payments using, say, a credit card through to the vendor of the application. So if an application requires a subscription or some payment to be made for premium content or extra features, that's a, a, a baseline platform, a common platform that's built into the operating system of the iPhone that can be used. It's Indeed. basically an API. Yeah. So now what you'll get is a more consistent method of uh, allowing payments from users to the vendor, which is, I think, a fantastic thing, and I'm not sure it's been done by other phone ma- manufacturers. No, no, I, I don't think I don't think it has. I think most have gone the way of um, if you're developing an application and you want it to be on a subscription basis, or you know, with extra content that you will add at certain times, then your only options currently in any app store is to either increase the initial price to purchase your app or to have some sort of outside of the phone method of payment like PayPal or some sort of credit card processing thing for subscribing, which is not built into the app or the phone itself, but is handled externally. Now with the in-app iPhone payments, it's all handled through Apple's iTunes store. And yeah, it's a brilliant feature. It's a very strategic move, I think, isn't it? It it's, is. It's paving it is the way for, for you know where things are heading. Yeah. So I think that, that that's really probably one of the, the, in fact, probably the best feature in terms of you know the way things are going. It's not really something that as a user you're going to go, oh, I got to get an iPhone three because I can make it. I can pay for things <laughs> in, inside the application I buy. <laughs> but but I think it really you know and the. In the big, you know, considering the big picture, I think this is probably one of the best moves Apple's um, made in terms of paving the way. It ind- indeed, it's probably one of the features that iPhone app developers have been really looking forward to. And the other cool thing you forgot to mention is the fact that the this OS upgrade will be free for iPhone um, owners, uh, but those of you with an iPod Touch who want the new. Um, OS will have to pay a small fee. It's only a nominal fee, so I think that's it's actually quite reasonable, isn't it? I think it's nine ninety five US. I think. Yep. So that that you know that's that's all right. I think that's not um, mm. you know. Mm. But and, and and unfortunately, some of the features are not backwards compatible with the original that, iPhones. So that's a bit of a shame. You will I guess, get but, a little less yeah, <laughs> if you happen to own one of the original iPhones. That's a bit of a shame, but uh, but look, you know, for iPhone. Uh, generation 2 users mm-hmm. it's a free upgrade right indeed yeah see that's good because Apple have often been criticised for charging for, for upgrades the other thing that Apple's done is uh, they've uh, applied for a patent and if you look at the patent what they're actually showing and describing is a revised method of use of control I'll start that again the other thing that Apple are doing is there's a patent that they've applied for 
which is a new way to control the Apple TV device. And currently, if you own an Apple TV, you'll know that you know to move around the menu system, you're, you're clicking the up and down and left and right arrows on your remote. Mm-hmm. This patent is for a motion-driven controller, very much like the, the wireless Wiimote. From Nintendo's Wii, yeah. Yeah. So th- this really, I mean, that, this is good because it means you just point, you know, and the, it detects the motion. You don't need to click up and down and stuff. But this is really starting to uh, look very much like perhaps a platform that could support games. Indeed, indeed. With the menu system, which they've got a an interesting picture from in their patent application, they do have an icon which is basically the same as the application's icon that you find on the, the App Store and on, on other Apple products. And if you've got the ability to get applications and a motion-sensitive wireless remote, then you definitely have the capability of doing what Nintendo do, yeah. games. Yeah. I, you know, I have actually wondered whether Apple would ever get into the gaming market. No one's actually, they haven't come out and said they're doing it, but as you said, Brett, everything is now there, The you know, the preparations have been made. It's mm-hmm. now, if this goes ahead, it's technically possible then to be able to play games on your Apple TV very much like your Nintendo Wii. Indeed, indeed. Whether they'll do it, I don't know, but it's very interesting that I'm looking well, at that patent yeah, application. Yeah. Whether or not Apple actually produce anything to take advantage of it is, you know, maybe, maybe not. But... Having that capability, and if this icon is true, um, and it does connect to something such as you know the iPhone App Store or something like that, and you can develop an app for it, you could have third parties taking advantage of these things, taking advantage of the motion-sensitive um, remote and creating games for it. It'll never be a rival to a, uh, a Sony PS3 or a Xbox 360, but uh, depending on its... Um, the features and what people develop for it, it could, you know, edge into Nintendo's market or those party games, those movement games. Well, do you, do you think they might actually approach EA Games and, and the big developers like that and say, hey, you know, we've we've essentially got what is a games well, platform now? Indeed. Look at the um the number of games that are that you can get for your for the iPhone or the iPod Touch, which take advantage of the motion-sensitive capability of it, holding the controller, moving the controller to move your little bike around, your your Wave Rider, or all the different games which you can get for an iPhone. And it, There's no reason why they couldn't be um, developed for the Apple TV device. Well, actually, I, I think there is a nice cozy relationship with Apple and EA Games because uh, not long ago, about a year ago, at one of the Apple events, uh, EA uh, appeared on on the you know, at the presentation, and they announced that they would be releasing Mac versions of this EA Sports games at the same time as the Windows versions. So then, no Ooh. longer do you need to wait. So this is that's not new. That's you know about a year ago. But it, you, you kind of got to wonder now: could this be a way now to open up the, the you know, open it up for the big games like what EA produce or not? On the Indeed. Other, on the other hand, though, the gaming market it's pretty hard to it, get into. It's pretty tight. It's it's well established. You've got you got these three big ones. You have got Sony, you have got Nintendo, and you've got Microsoft in there. Yeah. They're all 
got to, they all, I think, have a reasonably well, good foothold, don't they, they? They do have a good foothold, but they have, or at least the Nintendo Wii has quite well differentiated itself. You've got your Xbox 360 and your PS3, and they are your two big consoles, um, and they're pretty well competing against each other. But then you've got Nintendo Wii, and they took a different direction with the Wii. It's party games. It's games of interaction, of gestures. With all the movement control, it's a lot of physicality to more it. social so games social games and so that's where right. it shines it shines in those party games it shine, shines in those games for for younger for for children and for younger um adults it's that's where it shines whereas the hardcore console gamers they've got the xbox 360 they've got the ps3 the apple tv's uh capabilities or you know the the rumored capabilities, they're, they're, what people are thinking could possibly come out of this patent, would be edging into Nintendo's, that Nintendo market, those social sorts of games. So um, really, Apple may be competing at most with Nintendo, but mm, not so much with... Not so much with the Sony PS3 or, or, or right. the Xbox 360. So it just doesn't have the capability right, to no. compete with them. But it could edge into Nintendo's market, yes. You, you know, when I, whenever I see a Wii and the, the, the way it works, the way it looks, the way it feels, it actually, it's always reminded me of Apple. It's kind of mm. the, the, don't you think it's really the Apple of the gaming consoles? It is. It's it very Apple-like. It, it, it is very Apple-like. Yeah. It is what you would think Apple would yeah. do if they were going to make if a they game. Were, yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that one. Indeed. So moving on to other stories, a Seattle newspaper has now gone web only. No more print run for them. Now, that's just another sign of the times, isn't it, Brett? Yes, yeah. Uh, print uh, newspapers, business models just aren't able to compete in the, well, the, the internet market, basically. The internet's advertising has taken off and has increased it's changed even within itself it's changed its models but it's still relatively you know the way and it's drawn people away from the print advertising the full page ads in a newspaper the personals ads and such in the back of the newspaper they've massively decreased and what we're seeing with the the seattle post intelligencer is um the sign of the times the print publications you can't have too many in a place it's just not going to be uh supportable seeing as most of their revenue comes from ads so and so the web is their next uh, you know port of call I, I definitely get all my news from the web, and it's the first place I go to. Where do you get your news from? Yep, from the web. The yep. web, yeah. The web. It's, it's you know, the, the writing's on the wall, and I think they, they, they've known this for a while. New York, uh, one of the New York papers uh, has effectively, hasn't gone web only yet, but they've effectively made the print run secondary to their web Mm. Their, their, their web uh, version is now the primary one. They've announced this, yep. and the, the print run is just a supplement to that. So, yeah. it, the, you know, the days of printed newspapers, or at least for as many as we see today, are yeah. numbered. It may be that they might whittle down to only a few. Yep, yep. I, I wouldn't want to see them totally disappear. It is being able to read a physical medium is is there's something to it oh, still like you don't yeah. want to see go away no which is, it would yeah. it'd be a bit sad to see them go completely mm. and you can't take them to places where you don't have the internet or don't 
I'm taking a, a device, a, an internet device. Oh, indeed, indeed. And while I know there are some people who may sit on their netbook or their iPhone while they're in the toilet, it's not really <laughs> as hygienic as taking in a newspaper that you can then dispose of later. <laughs> that's true. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So I, I guess, uh, you know, in New Zealand, we haven't seen too much of this hit our shores yet. I mean, no, all our no. newspapers are still in full print. Uh, yep. But I think, you know, in, in time, we will see that here as well. In Australia, they're looking at filtering the web. Uh, they're f- developing a, a blacklist of sites that may well be banned in Australia. But what's more, and this is the part that I find... Uh, difficult to understand is that you're not actually allowed to even know what's on the list you it's it's a crime to publish the contents of the list indeed the blacklist is secret which to me seems ridiculous if you've got a filtering system in place if it's working what harm is there in allowing people to know what sites are blocked indeed there is no harm there is no reasonable argument that they could ever produce as a reason to why they are blocking the list so why do you think they're they're not telling people uh, not allowing people to well what is the one reason that any government would not tell somebody something it is something that you wouldn't like or something that they don't want you to know so we're talking about China-style censorship, possibly. Exactly. China-style, it it has the potential for mass misuse. And by making it a secret blacklist, it's, they're basically saying, we're going to use it for our reasons and we're not going to tell you what we're going to not let you see. So that is the only reason you would make it secret. I can think of absolutely no other reason why they would not list the sites that they are making not available isn't it ironic because here we are in western society which is as a a group we heavily criticize china's implementation of what we call their great firewall of china yes and now here's a western country australia essentially implementing something that could become the same thing i i just i i I think this is very this is not this is bad news no, this is this is um, this is bad. <laughs> this is George Orwell turning over in his grave. Um, Nineteen eighty-four has come a decade and a bit late, but um, Australia has picked up that <laughs> banner and is waving it quite well. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly looking like it. So there are a lot of things on the internet that I certainly don't don't support. Indeed, and, like, but and there are a lot of things on the internet that you wouldn't want your children to see. Absolutely. But there are better ways of doing it. And certainly if you are going to filter, I think you need to be very careful how you implement it and how transparent your system is. Indeed, transparency is the key. To stop abuse, there must be transparency. And it doesn't mean that you have to publish a list showing the direct addresses to things which are obscene and and you know, or which you don't want people to see. But it does mean that you should publish a list saying that we have blocked, there is a website on this, there is a website on this, a website on this, a website on this, and actually say what it is the website that you're blocking is for. So that you can know that if you go to YouTube and blah, 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 that YouTube is not on the list. So, Well, that's it for the international stories this week. A couple of New Zealand stories worth a mention. A New Zealand court has decided that in this particular case, 
that papers can be served via Facebook. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I'm in two minds about this. Can it's, you serve yeah. papers on someone via Facebook? Is that is that a good? I mean, you've got a Facebook page. Can, can I don't know. Just it's yeah, yeah. You're getting into a, a tricky area here. Because just because somebody has a Facebook page doesn't mean that they check it that often. Because as you said, I have a Facebook page, but I check it maybe once or twice a month. So serving me papers on there is not really going to get them to me <laughs> very fast at all. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> you'd be much better trying to track me down at work or <laughs> send me something via email as long as you send it to the correct email address. Because once again, I'm like most people. I have email addresses at a couple of places and only one of them do I check regularly. <laughs> and the others I check sporadically, maybe once a month, because I don't use them for anything important. Well, the, I hope there's some common sense in this because what I'd like, what I'd hope is that to be able to serve papers via Facebook, we're satisfied that the person is checking this on a daily or you know, or at least a regular basis, mm. rather than just a blanket decision that where a judge says, "Yep, it's fine to serve it via Facebook," because. You know, that's really, to me, not very well, indeed, cause it, robust. Unless the person is actually checking Facebook every day, it'd be the same as the judge saying, yes, it's fine to po- serve papers by posting them on a letterbox on the guy's supposed work route. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, you've got about <laughs> as good a chance of getting it to him as you do <laughs> posting it on Facebook if he only checks Facebook once a month yeah, or <laughs> once every blue moon. Yeah, or putting or leaving it on the seat of his of his favourite spot in a cafe that he frequents. I mean, indeed, yeah, it's it's just no. I, I don't know how this one was done. Whether they actually looked at whether the the person concerned was checking Facebook. I certainly hope they did. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, this is you know twenty years ago. You you would have thought <laughs> what? You know? Yeah, what? <laughs> you only serve papers physically yeah. to directly to somebody yeah. in <laughs> writing. You know, in, indeed. Yeah. I Put guess in their hand. I guess we can expect to see more and more of these sorts of stories happening. I think we can expect that. We we just hope that there's some actual thought behind it, and people have considered the fact that yeah. The different contingencies around that perhaps they don't. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shell's been hacked. Uh, online hackers have stolen personal information from almost 6,000 Shell customers in New Zealand and Australia. So here we go again. Another site that's been compromised and data leaked. Uh, yet another opportunity for identity theft, I guess. Yep, yep. It's another case of your right to privacy being trampled on by. Uh, a not very secure system, obviously. So do you blame Shell or do we blame the hackers? The the hackers are the ones hacking into it, but if the system was secure enough to begin with, then uh, there should have been no exploit for the hackers to get into. So how was it hacked? Was it a really silly password for the account or was it through some vulnerability which should have been patched when it was... Uh, announced so or was it that the one of the staff members computers uh, connected to the network the staff member had been clicking yes to whatever popped up on their internet screen on their browser when they <laughs> yeah. were browsing the web yeah and suddenly boom all of that information was going out there yeah that's probably so, quite likely actually <laughs> so yes i think the blame can be placed on both but the the it was 
Shell's responsibility to protect that privacy, and something didn't go down quite right. Well, full marks to Shell for the way they reacted. Uh, as soon as they became aware of it, they contacted all of the people concerned. And I think that's a nice change to the usual stories we see along these lines where, you know, they... Yeah, throw it under the carpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. So, they, they, yes, full marks to Shell for coming clean, alerting everybody and letting everybody know that they need to be cautious uh, and that they need to alert their banks and et cetera, et cetera, to protect themselves as much as possible from any repercussions from that private data being made public. And that's our show for this week. Brett, thank you for hosting this uh, show with me once again. Not a problem. Always happy. And uh, thank you to all our listeners. Thank you very much. This wraps up episode nine of the Boys of Tech. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. See you all again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.